Well, thank you so much, Angela and Justin, for joining me today. Very excited to talk about the Google.org and NDIA partnership that was sort of recently announced. I'm a big fan of the internet, and I'm a big fan of, of getting every person in the world access to it. I think it's sort of a human right <laughs> that we all have access to the internet. And, you know, as our day to day goes by, we're sort of used to just having being online all day, every day. But there is a lack of a lack of that for, for a big part of the population around the world and certainly here in the United States. So very excited to talk about the new partnership that, that you guys have uh, announced and are going forward with. But before we sort of jump into to all that, Angela, do you want to just start us off and maybe tell people a little bit about, you know, your journey and why you founded NDIA and, and, and what's sort of its mission and, and vision? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me, Grant. I'm very excited to be here. I'm Angela Seifer. I'm the executive director of the National Digital Inclusion Alliance. I live in Columbus, Ohio. I helped start the National Digital Inclusion Alliance about um, eight years ago now because there wasn't an entity representing local digital inclusion programs, and they definitely didn't have their voice heard in D.C., and now what it's turned into eight years later is this organization that is a place for those who do that kind of work to talk to each other, share best practices, that kind of thing. But then also NDIA hears what's happening locally and make sure that policymakers understand or do our best to help policymakers understand what's happening at that local level. The folks that do this work tend to be community-based organizations, libraries, housing authorities, local governments, and they are helping folks get connected to the internet by addressing affordability of the cost, right? Because the internet's, uh, that broadband service is expensive. Uh, but then they're also helping folks get access to the correct devices because a mobile phone often doesn't cut it. And then digital skills, because if we have access to the tool, but we don't really know how to use the tool to- sure ourselves, then that's a challenge. Justin, you want to jump in and just kind of maybe introduce yourself and, and maybe a little bit about, you know, Google.org and, and, so, and sort of your role there and the breadth of, of everything that it does on a yearly basis. Absolutely. Well, it's it's great to be here with both of you. I'm excited to have the conversation. So Google.org is Google's philanthropy. Um, I have the privilege of leading the Google.org Americas team, which is our cash grant making team for the Americas region. And the goal of Google.org is to bring the best of Google to some of humanity's biggest challenges. And we do that by trying to combine um, funding, innovation, technical expertise. We bring our Googlers and, and our cash and our in-kind products and try to accelerate amazing nonprofit organizations like NDIA and the important work they're doing. And certainly digital inclusion um, and access to the digital economy has been one of our biggest areas of focus. I've been at Google for about 10 years now in this role, and uh, certainly we've done a lot of investing in this space. And I think what it comes down to for us is where you live shouldn't be a barrier to connecting to the world. And we know that technology is changing the world quickly, and uh, it's important that everybody across the country, no matter if they live in a city or a small town, uh, are set up for success in the digital economy. And, and we were really excited to be able to partner with the NDIA to be uh, bringing their team of digital navigator fellows to areas of the country like rural and tribal communities that might not otherwise be able to access the kind of training and support needed to take advantage of all these tools. Angela, do you want to give us a, an idea of like where we're at sort of in the issue or, or the scope of it? You know, I don't know if you want statistics or, or facts or figures that, to help sort of encapsulate what what the big issue is right now for, for digital inclusion within rural America specifically and then tribal communities. I guess maybe what are some of the 
the big overall facts or figures we can hit on so we can kind of really understand the grasp of, of what we're trying to uh, accomplish here. Yeah, sure. So a quarter of the population does not have consistent access to the internet. So sometimes we'll talk about this as broadband adoption. And yeah. there's a there's often a misunderstanding that the barrier to the internet is the availability of the wires and you know devices are the home internet or the mobile internet but actually the biggest the biggest barrier is the cost of it and then after that sure. the barriers have to do with digital skills and having the right device so even if we have that infrastructure out there it doesn't mean folks can take advantage of it and that impacts you know every aspect of life and it not only impacts individuals and it impacts whole communities and industries um, because so many jobs now rely upon at least a a minimum level of digital skills. I want to talk a little bit about what are some of the the first steps that need to be taken. You know, as as sort of the the partnership is sort of finalized and say, hey, Google announces Google.org announces ten million dollar grant for NDIA. What does that What does that money go to? What are some of the, maybe the top two or three biggest issues where funding can go into and make sort of the largest impact? The way we structured this project is to focus in on the digital navigator model. So during the pandemic, this idea that there's individuals and communities who understand what that low cost offer from the internet service providers, because there's a variety of those, what those mean and yeah. how you're eligible for them, who understand if there are any devices one might be able to access, uh, understand if there are digital skills training programs, and also just can help someone with those immediate needs on, oh my gosh, I need to submit my um, you know job application right now and I can't get this file uploaded. So those kinds mm. of immediate situations. And so a digital this idea of a digital navigator really took off when the pandemic was in full force. And it, it was this idea that happened organically across the country. And at NDIA, we found ourselves needing to define what it looked like so that we could help others do it. And we ended up doing that in a variety of ways. But what was clear to us was that the rural and tribal were missing from that, those examples and those models that were being built that were mostly in urban and suburban areas. So that's how the, and the conversation with Google.org was that they were also interested in supporting rural and tribal areas. So the, the overlap was clear in terms of what we each wanted to do. So this, this money itself, the majority of it is going to 18 communities that have now digital navigator programs. And NDIA's role is to help them get up and running and be successful and have great impact, but also to learn from that because we are understanding now what it takes to run a digital navigator program in rural and tribal communities. And so what that does then is allows us to then impact lots more folks because then they have this access to this information that we are learning because of NDIA's position as a national leader in digital equity in the United States. And is that in per are these in person mini hubs, so to speak? Where yeah, they are they are mostly okay. in person, um, which okay. as you can imagine, there are more complications to doing that in a rural area sure. because of the distance one needs to travel to be in person. It, it, they do sometimes take place virtually or over the phone, but the trust building is really essential to this. Technology is intimidating. Um, I know this might be a surprise, but internet service providers aren't particularly trusted. <laughs> so um, sure. we have to really make sure that that trust is there, that if 
if someone, if a digital navigator is saying, okay, based upon what you've told me, I think you, um, you know, getting on this particular plan is the right thing because of the cost and what your needs are. The individual they're supporting really needs to know and understand that, that that's not coming from a sales pitch, right? That's coming from a real understanding of the issues and the resources that are available. Justin, when you get, you know, I'm sure you see a lot of things come across your desk, right? Like pitches for, mm-hmm. for grants or funding, you know, how did the, the relationship with NDIA even start where this was sort of kind of on your radar? Has it been in the works for a while? And I guess, how do you and the team decide, you know, who gets Google.org funding? Because that's, I mean, that's a big deal when, you know, when you guys attach your name to something, it becomes really real. And there seems to be a long-term approach when something like this is is, is struck up and, and actually approved. I think it starts just with our analysis of the social challenge that we're trying to tackle. I mean, in this case, we know, and Angela alluded to this, you know, at least 50% of people are going to need to learn new digital skills to remain competitive in the workplace. And so we want to make sure that every community has access to the kind of training uh, that they need to remain competitive, to start small businesses, to advance their careers. In 2017, we started an initiative called Growth Google that's trained 9 million Americans um, since its inception uh, to grow their businesses or advance their careers with workshops and trainings. One of the roles of Google.org is to make sure that the communities who are the most marginalized, who have the least access, um, have access to that. And so we were looking at, during the pandemic in particular, uh, trying to increase the prevalence of these programs in, in rural and tribal communities. And it's very difficult to find partners in those areas because the nonprofit infrastructure is less dense, right? In cities, there's usually a yeah high density of nonprofit organizations and services and lots of opportunities for partnership. It's it's much more challenging in dispersed areas. And so we went canvassing to try to find, we knew that rural and tribal communities, there was a lot of need and, and we felt like we could do a lot more to, to support those communities. So we went looking for organizations and um, think of the Felice, you know, NDIA had, had worked with um, other parts of Google in the past. We had heard wonderful things and we had some folks on the team who had interacted with NDIA in, in previous Previous roles and so struck up that conversation. But what we're really looking for is organizations, I say, one who really represent their local communities. And I think we love that about NDIA and the digital navigator model is that, you know, the people who are from these communities and live in these communities know best what these communities need. Um, and so it was really a powerful model with the digital navigators that they're hiring local folks who understand the context who are from these communities to do the training and provide the support. But I think we're also very excited about the scale. Right? I mean, yeah. obviously, we're with Google, you can imagine we we love a scalable model, and we really feel that NDI has a, a significantly scalable model here. And they're not just you know implementing in these 18 communities, but I'm sure Angela can talk about this. They're also really doing the research and evaluation, and planning on sharing what they learn and the mm. best practices, so that other organizations around the c- country can learn from what they're doing. So that combination of like incredible local support, a demonstrated history of impact, and the ability to scale got us really excited. And this is one of the largest grants we've ever made. So it was a, yeah. it was a huge investment and we were we were excited to do it. We were really honored to be chosen, right, uh, to, sure. to do this with Google.org. Uh, and it's work that we, um, we believe in, we very much believe in. And because of our 
network. So NDIA, we often talk about ourselves being a community. We have over 1,200 what we call affiliates. So these organizations that are on the ground doing digital inclusion work. Uh, and so it is very much a group of folks who support each other and help each other. And we, um, the staff, really feel like our job is to help define what's out there so that they can make best use of it. So this work really lets us do that kind of definition and understanding also lessons learned, right? Not just what worked, but what doesn't work. Avoid the following yeah. mistakes. We've already figured these out for you. Not for you, but we've, you know, we figured these out with the local folks who are in this project. <laughs> we really want to define all of that because we know this is something like we're beginning to further understand is that our role as this national organization is to really be a voice for those what works and what doesn't work, but also for the need for continued support for these programs. And being able to do this with Google.org gives us all those different ways of doing it right, both what works, what doesn't work, but then also an understanding and a platform for say, hey, we really need more resources, federal government, um, those who benefit from digital equity, all the folks who are impacted by this to be able to chip in essentially what is some of like curriculum's a probably the wrong word to use here uh but yeah i guess when you talk about what are some of the the hierarchy of issues that the community faces i mean is it like learning how to use email or is it like hey how do we set up our our business account on google right i guess what's sort of the <laughs> or yeah. it could just be how to use search right i mean that's also a big thing is like we're still there's still so many people who just don't really know how to use search to to feel, fulfill their needs like what i guess what are some of the the challenges from like you know i don't know if you want to go through the top ones or you know some of the most important ones that that you guys deal with or, or the digital navigators deal with so, so you, grant you hit upon quite a few of them it's really everything and the fact that each individual person is different, which is mm -hmm. why this model is different from the model that most of, so I've been doing this kind of related work for 25 some years. And even then, when I was first getting into it, the way that I interacted with it was to set up com public computer labs uh, in places where those who would need access to them, it would be convenient to them. So set up computer, public computer labs and then run classes, helping people to be able to use that technology. And when you're running a class, it is, um, and same with any class, right? You're going, you're trying to figure out the topics that are of the most value to the most people. And that's still really much important and really important. And we should keep doing that. But the digital navigator model is more designed to be one-on-one -on -one and what's the needs of this particular person and what is it that will help them move forward and in their increased confidence around technology. So it's not just building the skills, but building the, the skills and the confidence to then go figure something out on your own, right? So searching totally. is a perfect example, right? Because then you're able to find some answers, whereas, you know, the opposite would be relying upon others to find those answers for you. I want to talk a little bit about it accessibility because that's the biggest part of all of this right access to the internet consistent access i guess what is the current internet access right now for for rural and tribal communities are we talking like you know s satellite situation broadband there is right. Google Fiber. <laughs> KC was the, I'm here in Kansas City. We were the first city to ever get Google Fiber. I know it's mm -hmm. it's not being built out as it as it once was, but. This is where I was saying at the beginning of the conversation, right? The, when the, that's the focus on the availability of the internet. And it really varies widely. There are some tribes in some rural areas that have faster fiber than 
I do. <laughs> I can't say you yeah. because you live in Kansas City. <laughs> so, uh, <you> know, <laughs> right? uh, but there are places that have that. So it varies really widely. And places where there really isn't anything, they end up relying upon satellite. And, and when mm -hmm. there's nothing else to to go to, it's satellite, which is expensive and unreliable at the current moment. That could change in the future, but that's our reality today. The expense of it alone is something that keeps a lot of folks from being able to use this. Uh, one of the grantees is in Alaska, and I was just in Alaska recently talking to them and learning more about the digital equity realities there. Uh, and so it's it's common for whole villages to have like just one or two people who have access to the internet, and nobody else does because the cost could be six, seven hundred dollars a month for that satellite wow. access. Wow! Yeah! Wow! When Google started, look, this is like you said, this is one of the biggest. Mm -hmm. grants you guys have ever done. What is it like after the grant is made? This is going to be a multi-year sort of partnership and process. Like from a Google.org perspective, specifically your perspective of the teams, I guess how, how much interaction would you would you have, you know, going forward throughout the years um, with this partnership? You know, once once the, the check is written, that's one thing, right? But what's sort of the follow-up for you guys? Is it sort of every week you're meeting, every month you're meeting? I guess what's the plan after you make a, a sizable donation like this? What's what's the aftermath look like from your side? Yeah, I mentioned sort of in my introduction that, you know, we aspire to bring the best of Google and that's obviously more than just the grant resources. We know that nonprofits need money to be able to do the amazing work that they do. So that's an important component, but we certainly aspire to, um, you know, to bring the very best. And so I mentioned the Growth Google Initiative that's been going since 2017. I think for us in this space, that's sort of the hub of a lot of the activity that we do. We've partnered with amazing organizations like NDA, but also organizations like 4-H or Goodwill, the Hispanic Federation, organizations that are really capable of, of reaching deep into their individual communities. And I think through the support of Growth Google and Google org we can really um, you know wrap around uh, really depending on what the nonprofit wants I mean we have a google.org fellowship program that um, actually gives full-time Googlers hmm. an opportunity to spend seasons of like three to six months of full-time work wow. um, embedded with the nonprofit organizations we just completed a project um, with goodwill revamping their entire sort of marketing and, and website strategy and, and pretty incredible to be able to offer some of the best talent in the world in this space to to organizations in that way. And we also ha obviously have, you know, basic volunteering programs, Google ad grants programs that provide um, Google advertising um, for free to nonprofits. So there's a lot of different things that we're excited to do. Although I think with NDIA and Angela, I'm sure can speak to this. This is just, they're just getting the navigators out onto the ground, right? So I think we've all just been excited to kind of get to this milestone of, yeah. of having the digital navigators um, start to work in their communities. And certainly at any point, if, if the digital navigators uh, feel like uh, there's things that Google could offer that could be helpful. Uh, we have a lot of programs um, sort of standing at the ready where we could wrap around uh, those digital navigators and, and help in, in whatever way we, we can be on the money for sure. I have to give Justin and his team um, big kudos for how flexible they have been with us on this. There's that, there's an element of trust, right? That we are going to do an amazing work with this money. And so when we, when we say we need to adjust because... For example, the, the one site in, in Alaska, their realities are different there than the realities mm, right. of the grantees that are in the lower 48. And so being able to make the adjustments and ensure that that greater impact is really happening because it's being set up as defining a model. So yes, we want to have a lot of um, amazing work occur at that local level. 
going to have lots more folks connect to the internet and they'll know how to use it and that'll all be awesome. But re- but also recognizing that it's not just about those 18 sites. It's about what we can document to help other folks. So for example, Justin mentioned the data collection that we're doing. We're helping all 18 sites collect data regarding digital navigator program um, and who's being served and what they're doing out of that. And we have really careful policies around all of that. But then we're using with the intent is then that structure is going to be made freely and publicly available. So anyone can then gather data about their digital navigator program. And at some point in the future, we might even be able to pull some of those strings together and have some bigger numbers to be able to discuss how this works. That wouldn't be possible if we had someone who said, oh, no, no, you said you were going to use the money for like, well, but we're seeing this other need and that's not how Google.org operates. They're like, okay, well, let's talk about it. Explain it to me because also they want to know because then that impacts the rest of their work that they are doing in those rural and tribal communities. Sounds like a cool fellowship for Googlers would be to do like a three-month fellowship as a digital <laughs> navigator. <laughs> on, on <the> one day. <laughs> um, I think Googlers would love that, actually. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about, you know, policy and bringing this to sort of, you know, DC at a level where, you know, look, they, they deal with a lot of different things <laughs> every single day, every single month, right? Uh, but going back to the idea that this could be you know, almost a, a human right for us as American citizens, right? Have access or, or, you know, really high speed and dependable access to the internet. Angela, when you speak to to representatives of, of Congress or even, you know, at a local level, are they aware of some of these issues? Like, uh, are they are they eager to, to help out in many different ways? I guess, what's the conversations been like at a policy level when, when you as an organization speaks about the, this topic? Yeah. So, the other things I'm doing today, the other thing I'm doing today is <laughs> testimony because I'm testifying uh, to a U.S. House subcommittee on Wednesday. Uh, so, so it is a part of what NDIA does is is making sure that that reality on the ground is understood. I would say during the pandemic, we had really strong mm-hmm. awareness. Like it was folks were really like, oh, my gosh, kids are doing their homework and to talk about parking lot. We can't have that. <laughs> and there was a lot of like and that was amazing. It was it was an incredible moment for myself and those who've been working on this issue that all of a sudden others recognized the necessity of, of digital equity. But I think where we're at now is that, you know, money's tight. <laughs> where do you sure. put money? And it becomes it becomes a, a challenge to make sure that this stays a priority by both the federal government and and state and local governments also. Right now, our big challenge is that the Affordable Connectivity Program was a subsidy that Congress um, had created during the height of the pandemic. And it's going, there's not going to be enough money, right? It's going to run out eventually because they set a set a certain amount. And so helping everyone understand the necessity of maintaining that, that broadband access isn't like you have it or you don't have it. It's do you have it reliably mm-hmm. uh, and do you right. have it consistently? Because if, if the internet access is on the mobile phone and mom goes to work and the kids are then home without internet and they're not doing their homework or they can't contact her if something comes up, right? Like that's a reality because that's not consistent, reliable access. Sure. I want to kind of end on both of your perspectives on what's sort of the the successes that you would like to achieve from this. And Justin, I'll, I'll start with you. Look, think goals change, the ideas of success changes as as we move along, right? And some data points or, or some things might look a little different. Hey, let's shift this up and change it to, to this curriculum or whatever it might be. 
But I guess just from you and the, the team's point of view, what were some of the goals and successes, successes you'd love to get out of this, this partnership? You know, you just mentioned policy. And I think one of the things that made us excited to get into this space was just the unprecedented amount of resourcing um, that the federal government was putting up against um, broadband access. And obviously, we've talked about this in the conversation, but just really wanting to make sure that every community is prepared to be able to take advantage of, of, of the resources that are being made available. And so we were excited to watch this project, be able to um, make sure that the communities uh, who are intended to be the beneficiaries of a lot of that funding actually get to benefit. And ultimately, that folks are able to participate in this really dynamic, amazing digital economy that just continues to grow, evolve, and, you know, create lots of opportunities, but those opportunities aren't always spread equally. And so for rural and tribal communities that sometimes get left behind, I'm really excited to watch them be able to uh, develop relationships with these digital navigators, be able to build the skills, take advantage of the resourcing. And like Angela said, with all of the measurement and evaluation and benchmarking that they're doing to be able to not only see NDA grow the footprint of this program, but watch other uh, providers around the country take note of the amazing work that NDA is doing and be able to similarly open up access for communities that otherwise might be excluded. Is there, real quick on that, is there like, is there like a time span on like, okay, when do we feel good about, you know, passing this along, like you said, to other organizations, other nonprofits in the same space? Is there a certain beta test time length of what works, what doesn't work? Hey, six months is a good time to really look at things, assess it, good, good data back, and then, then pass that along? Or is it sort of passing along every month, right, of what working, what's not working? Or is there a set sort of time that, you know, you'll say, hey, we're going to take the first year, really build this thing out, really scale it, and then start sharing it? We are sharing now. One of the things that we have is a digital navigators working group across NDIA's community, which now has over 200 digital navigators and digital navigator managers participating in that. And the 18 sites participated in also. So they are already sharing their knowledge there. Plus my, so our team within NDIA, we have multiple team members who work on digital navigator support. And so they're able to take the learnings from these 18 sites and then take that to other boards that we work with, and including at our national conference, which we just had in San Antonio in February, where we had 800 attendees and digital navigators was a hot topic. So, <laughs> so we're constantly getting out what we know. We are right now in process of updating our digital navigator webpage because we know that folks constantly are checking it. So we want, and it's a process, right, where we take the pieces that we know and get them into different places so that we can make sure that those learnings are occurring nonstop right now. And I'll, I'll end with, with you, Angela, on the, on the question I, I mentioned to Justin, just about goals and, and successes for this. Let's, let's take maybe a three to five year approach for you and the team. Like, What are some of the goals and successes you'd like to achieve during that time period? So the federal government is investing $2.75 billion. They've started the planning process now. This is in digital equity specifically, and then additional billions for broadband deployment. So the planning process is happening now, which is why we are doing this project with Google.org now, because mm-hmm. when that money then hits local communities, to set up their own programs or expand what they're doing. First of all, those 18 sites are going to be primed to participate <laughs> in that funding, right? But then also other sites in, in these rural and tribal communities that didn't have any digital navigator programs before will also be more ready because they will have all these learnings and a, a, a guide essentially to lead them through doing it. 
So what we're most excited about is that impact it can have on making the most of that federal money coming. And that it's that it's focused in on the organizations that are trusted by the communities they serve. We're not talking like really large, huge, you know, national entities, but these are local organizations. And that trust sure. is so essential that if we don't, that they need to be the ones doing this digital inclusion work. But if we don't help make sure that happens, they're just overwhelmed because again, they're small. They don't have huge budgets with lots of staff. And so this is a way to structure it such that structure our assistance such that they could participate and should participate. You mentioned real quick, the 18 sites. Is that spread across like five states? Is it 18 states? I guess geographically, how does it? Uh, it is like 15 states or something like that. We tried not oh, to wow. put one in the state. So we are, it's really spread out. And, and also because there are lots of learnings to be done, right? Um, so I live in Columbus, Ohio. The learnings that are coming from Columbus versus the learnings that are going to come from from Arizona are going to be significantly mm-hmm. different. Um, and yeah. so we wanted to make sure that we did a lot of that, uh, diver- got gathered that diversity and who received the grants. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Justin and Angela. This was awesome. Um, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you both are, are very, very busy people. A cause that's sort of near and dear to my heart. I just the, the internet has sort of you know changed my life, and I know it's changed so many different lives around the world. And obviously in America, the, there's so much potential, and I think there's just so many people that that spark of inspiration that the internet can bring. It's like once you kind of understand it and get it, like the possibilities, and I think they just broaden the the scope of of what we can do with our lives. So I appreciate the work that that you're doing, and and this partnership hopefully is a a huge success. And and you know every state and we'll have digital navigators soon, and and we'll see sort of this idea and this philosophy scale. So appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Grant. It was awesome. Yeah, thanks so much, Grant. Appreciate you shining a spotlight on amazing programs like NDIA. Thank you. 